0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening this week to Talk In That Trash. Steve and I are very appreciative to everybody that's reached out and the really kind feedback we've gotten. Um, I know it's all weird, silly stuff with podcasts, but if you're not already, if you could please subscribe on whatever you listen to podcasts on, be that Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, anything like that, we would really appreciate it. I don't want to pretend I fully understand the whole algorithm thing of it, but it's important, and we're figuring this out as we go. If you are following us on Spotify... A few of the episodes haven't been uploaded, and that's entirely my fault because, as I've said before, I am not smart with technology. This is all very foreign to me, and I'm trying to figure it out as I go. So even though the episodes are up on the Podbean, our website, they may not have uploaded on Spotify. So I'm working that out, and from here on out, it shouldn't be an issue. Just wanted to get that out of the way because if you have noticed, and maybe you haven't, but just thought it was worth acknowledging. Anyways... This week, Steve and I, we kind of just shoot the shit. Again, we talk a lot about the 90s, a few things specifically, musically, wrestling-wise, movies-wise, so I don't want to keep you too long, just wanted to give that little preamble at the beginning to subscribe, explain why a few episodes are missing, and that's really all I got. Hope you enjoy this week's episode, thanks as always for listening, and here we go. I did want to ask you, we are recording, I did want to ask you how do you feel without the beard, how have you, without the beard, have you adjusted? Well,
1: when I first shaved it, I didn't realize I looked the way that I did without a beard, and I looked at myself and I was like, where's my chin? I know. And like, where's the rest of my face? <laughs> like, I felt like I was like a skeleton, <laughs> which is the weirdest thing about it, because you don't, I don't feel that way now. But like when I took my beard off, I was like, my head <laughs> looks like one of those guys from <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas <laughs> where it's so small and <laughs> stupid looking.
0: Um, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. Yeah,
1: like this shrunken head.
0: <laughs> for Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know what we look like or see us, I'm a beard guy now. I always have a beard. I will never not have facial hair ever again, and I don't care if it becomes socially unacceptable i'm never not having a beard because i used to do the kind of thing where i shave twice or every two days yeah and just saw like any self-respecting guy does that then i got a little older face a little fatter realized i think uh i think i'm gonna keep this beard thing going and i started getting the shape up going to the barber shop and get him to give me like a face or a haircut on my face and then when i shave I'm, i i i feel like a turtle I look like a turtle every time I shave, and I just, I can't believe how just disgusting I am. So I wondered how you felt with that.
1: I, when I, I was happy that I shaved it because I reached this point where there was like a high level of pride with the beard. Totally. And I liked how it looked. Yeah. I think I've mentioned this to you, though. There were times when I was just sitting on the couch because my beard had gotten so long and it was getting curly that I would like feel something like bristling against my ear and it was like a bug was crawling on you and you'd like start slapping at it or looking around and you're like, no, it's just my beard jumping out at my ear. So that was starting to get annoying. And then we had like a really hot night where it wasn't rainy. It wasn't anything. And you know, like you're just kind of in bed and you're uncomfortable and I was rolling over and I could just feel like all this hair pushing against my face and rolling around. And I was like, this is brutal like yeah. i'm shaving this tomorrow shaved it all off looked in the mirror and i was like holy this was hell. a huge mistake yeah i've made a terrible mistake
0: <laughs> every time i shave I'm, i have remorse did you have phantom beard for a little while were you kind of like scratching your face expecting the beard and then getting oh yeah nothing? i yeah. felt
1: like my my reach was going and like it should have been stopping like yeah. four inches earlier and then it was like slapping myself in the face how long did you go how
0: long was it 12 weeks Three maybe months. maybe 13. That's a that's
1: a good haul. I think from like first week of March, maybe last week of February, up until like a week ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, it, when I shaved it off, I've got to tell you, I, I was not a fan for the first couple of days. I was like, I look like a freak. I know. I was like so <laughs> self-conscious
0: walking around. I was like, I don't want anyone to see me. I can never, I can't imagine doing a full like Mach three clean shave. It would again. hurt. I think it would hurt. And it, I, you w- like I I have no defining features on my face. It's just like this thing with eyes <laughs> and a nose and a mouth and like a mullet on the top of it. Um, yeah, it's like you'd be like
1: Beaker from yeah, uh, from Muppets, where exactly. he has like
0: no head. It's just a straight <laughs> yeah, line and a mouth that I opens. Am Beaker, I'm yeah. just yeah, I'm disgusting, and I'm a like you know I've always. For whatever reason, I've always kind of enjoyed having like different lengths of hair. Like I used to grow my hair yeah. really long. I was ensuring. I was and I just always found that fun. And now I kind of have been experimenting with facial hair where I did the kind of musketeers thing with like the mm-hmm. mustache and then the mm-hmm. chin strap. Not a good look. But I have become really adjusted to the mustache. I do
1: regret in shaving that I didn't go and get it like professionally trimmed up just to see yeah. what it looked like. It would have been kinda of, it would've been kind of fun. Yeah. Funny to get like a really tightened up beard with like a really sharp point or yeah. something like that. Those are great. Get the just beach in.
0: Yeah. I come out, I look like I'm just a Greek god with this insane jawline and then I shave it up and like you said I'm just a mutant and a freak. But I, I'm I'm kind of afraid I'm just a mustache guy from now on. Like I'm afraid it's gonna be the thing where I don't have my mustache, it's unrecognizable. Cause I, I think yeah, I think it's here to stay.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't think I can grow my beard as long as I did again. But I'm, I'm totally against shaving. Like, if someone told me to shave (laughs) with a razor, like down to the skin, I don't think I'd agree to do it. No, it's just it's it. Thinking back on it, it's too painful.
0: It's too painful. It's just a terrible look for some people. Some people look great. I'm the last time I did it.
1: I remember. I don't know why I did it. I got this stupid idea. I was flying home from Christmas, or for Christmas from Switzerland when I was playing. And I was in a hotel because I had an early flight the next morning in Geneva. So I was like, you know what? For the holidays, I'm going to shave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like trimmed it. I trimmed the like with a kind of light beard that I had down. And I was like, well, if I'm going to shave, I better like blade it. Yeah. And I shaved and my skin was on fire <laughs> for like 48 rash. hours. Rash everywhere. <laughs> it looked like I just like rubbed poison ivy all over my face. Yeah. It was horrible. And that was the last time I've ever done a blade shave. That was probably like 2016.
0: I think the last time I confidently did a really close shave, and I did close shaves after, but never confidently, is my now wife. I'm fine saying this, but we had a very temporary little breakup, and it wasn't because of this, but I remember I was going down to visit her in Lethbridge, and I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's let's make this special for her. I'm going to get a clean shave. And went down and broke up like three hours later. (laughs) Well, that's... uh, that's I'm shaving again. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you because... I kind of feel like maybe we should do the hot takes earlier than last time. Do you? My week, I'm going to go over my hot takes, if I can remember, for the last three weeks. We're doing weekly hot takes because that's pretty much all a podcast is. My first one was that the charge in basketball is either the worst call or most poorly called rule in all of the four major sports. My second one was Bob O'Reilly is the greatest pop song ever recorded. That kind of stumped you. So I'm wondering if you have a retort for that.
1: Well, I I heard a song the other day that is not my favorite song, is not even uh, a song that I listen to all that often.
0: Brutal start.
1: Yeah, I know. It's not a good one. But I did think back to the time that it came out, to that it's still played, and how crazy everyone was about this song when it did come out. Smells
0: like Teen Spirit?
1: That's on the list, because it's close to that. But if you're talking about like a pop rock
0: song, yeah. which is
1: what Bob O'Reilly is, totally, yeah, it's not like a pop song like Britney no, Spears. It's or mainly
0: rock, but that used to be considered pop. Sure, yeah.
1: I make a case for pop rock song of "Basket Case" by Green Day. People wow. were so into that song when that came out. Wow, that got played on every station. Everybody had Dookie. Like the two albums, it's a that great came, album. Yeah, it is. It's a really good album. And the two albums that, at least the way I remember it, being a kid. <laughs> it felt like they came out on the same day because it's all anybody was listening to and I'm sure they're probably like months apart was Dookie by Green Day and Smash by The Offspring. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because when Smash by The Offspring came out with Come Out and Play, that was a radio-friendly enough song that everybody could listen to it. It was catchy enough that parents were okay and it wasn't so like vulgar or anything like that that parents were still alright with you listening to it. So as a sixth grader, you felt kind of badass, yeah, listening to a band called The Offspring, that every once in a while would drop an f bomb in a song. Yeah,
0: and that's when Dexter had like the weird kind of braids. He right? had
1: yeah, he had like long braids. Yeah. So those two songs came to mind as like those were big songs. And Come Out and Play is not played the same way that Basket Case is anymore. No.
0: No, 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 no. I don't uh, like Green Day's. Definitely had a lot more longevity than the Offspring. Yeah, the
1: Offspring kind of went a different way, and well, and they
0: became like comedians because "Pretty Fly for a White Guy" was such a big song. But then all of a sudden, they just all became their songs clowns. Came like that.
1: Yeah, like I remember they had that song "Hit That." That sounds like Ugh. it was so crappy. It's like someone <coughs> grabbed a <coughs> kid's keyboard yeah. and started playing the instrumentals to
0: it. And his voice got so annoying.
1: <coughs> yeah, it was too bad. Yeah, so I, I
0: can I can respect the basket case. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's even in the same hemisphere as Bob O'Reilly. But Green Day was my favorite band when I was a kid, so I'm not gonna knock him either. That, I, that wasn't what I was expecting.
1: What were you expecting?
0: I was gonna, I, I, I was thinking you were gonna say "Smells Like Teen Spirit." I think, was, I
1: think "Smells Like Teen Spirit" is a, is a different kind of pop song, though.
0: But that, the, I guess that's kind of what makes me wonder about the eras because for me unfortunately our top 40 is just shit and it has been for a long time like i just think it's bad music you can call me pretentious you can call me whatever i just think it sucks <laughs> whereas in like the 60s 70s in that era of music i really like that was top 40 music like the beatles and the who that was top 40 and considered right. like poppy right um and then same thing when because that was early '90s, right? What smells like Teen Spirits? So that kind of grunge thing, in a way, just by virtue of it being top forty and so popular, pop, like it's kind of what the pop stands for, isn't it? Popular. Yeah. So popular rock. I guess it was pop rock, even though it's also you could make an argument. It's got like its punk elements and its grunge. Wouldn't probably want to be associated with pop, but it was. Yeah, I, I the
1: the smells like Teen Spirits stuff. I think, created a, a very different road for that type of music because it made it so mainstream. Yeah. And then the whole Kurt Cobain thing with him not wanting to be popular while also making an extremely popular song. Right. Yeah, it, it's, it's a different thing, but it also signified a change in music the way that right. like a song like Basket Case was really fun yeah. and it still sounds great but it didn't change anything as far as like people's approach to life or like what's so strange about smells like teen spirit now that's hard to do justice is how back then you were coming out of the douchebag rock era of like motley Crue and poison and and all those losers like that were just putting out like you know songs that people like but as far as like how it ages? It, it's not a, talking
0: about like picking up chicks and kicking some guys' ass. Yeah,
1: yeah. you know, like cruising down rodeo yeah. and like pulling over, picking up a girl, dropping back in, jumping out, getting into a knife fight. Yeah. And then it's <laughs> like you know, and all the while while you're wearing like stilettos <laughs> and red leather pants, and you just came from the the barber and you got a perm. Yeah, like it's tough to be a badass when it's you true. throw those together. And if someone was to say like, "This is what my weekend was in
0: 2020." What the hell is wrong with you, man? Get your life together. That was
1: a hardcore cock rock era.
0: Yeah. Well, I I, I guess I would would say both songs, Smells Like Teen Spirit and probably Bass Case, they probably had more of a cultural influence in a lot of ways than Bob O'Reilly would have because Bob O'Reilly didn't come out and everyone was like, oh, man, this put us on notice of this kind of music that became so huge, but mm-hmm. the songs themselves... Because I know I know, Nevermind, obviously, did what it did for grunge, and even the jocks who were making fun of guys who were like Kirk Cobain were all of a sudden wearing the plaid shirts and torn jeans. Yeah. And same with, to a certain degree, Dookie, of when that came out, then all of a sudden everyone was punk, and punk bands like The Offspring and even Bad Religion were getting more mm-hmm. notice because of that, whereas I just think as a song, wouldn't have had the same impact, but... Bob O'Reilly just stands on a mountain alone to me.
1: I defy you, though. Like, I've heard people talk about, you know, the Nirvana and Kurt Cobain thing in a, in a more of a light of, I don't understand why it was such a big deal. Um, yeah, that's dumb. Nevermind is, like, is an incredible album. It really is. I thought it's it was overrated really, for a while. No. It's not. It, it's super, it, uh, From start to finish, it's great. And I don't hear Smells Like Teen Spirit a lot anymore, but when I do... I'm listening to it. It's still a great totally. song. And I don't buy the whole thing of like, well, what's he talking about? And does he say albino in there? And yeah. it's like, yeah, but it's a great song.
0: I try putting myself in the spot of trying to envision what it was like. Like you just said, of every song coming out as Motley Crue and Poison and this Cock Rock stuff. Then to just be listening to the radio and this thing comes on and just being like, what the hell is yeah. this? And, just realizing how different it was then, and I think every—if you're a white teenage boy, you have to go through the phase where you have a Kurt Cobain poster on your wall, and identify with Nirvana. But then, through listening it so much as a teenager, and even as a little kid, because you were so into them, I kind of went through a phase where I was like, "Nirvana sucks. They're so boring." And I took a, a pretty big break. Then I listened Nevermind again. I was like, "This album can go. This is really—it's a
1: great good. album, and it really was tough to follow up after that." But I mean, some of the albums from that era that was the po- upside of that song being so popular was the Soundgarden stuff, yeah. the Stone Temple Pilots, um, Alice in Chains, like all those good. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't a huge Pearl Jam guy, but definitely Pearl Jam, yeah. and those were the mainstream ones. Like I never got into Tad and Mud <laughs> Honey Tad. and the the Melvins and, and things like that. Like because I remember like. Being back then thinking, like, okay, you know, you hear music from a certain genre and you're like, well, I want to hear more music. So if I hear the Who, you're going to dig a little bit deeper and try to find some other stuff. Of when these guys, especially, came out and said, well, this is who influenced us. Mm -hmm. So you go, okay, let me check out who influenced guys. Man, when I read what Kurt Cobain said, like, well, when he would go through his moody stuff yeah. and not want to acknowledge that the Beatles were a huge influence on him, I, know. I mean, all you got to do is just, like listen to About a Girl. Yeah, it's and say, a Beatles like, song. Yeah, it's a 100% a hundred percent Beatles song, which yeah. is fine. Yeah, it's, it's a good great to song. Make hits. Yeah. But then when he would go into his like super moody stuff of like trying to pay respect to where he came from, and he's like, oh, man, my favorite band is the Melvins, yeah. or my favorite band is Tad. That's and then I was like, cool, man, I'm going to go find a Tad cassette. <laughs> and I put it on him, and I was like, this is complete bullshit. Yeah. Like it's it sounds terrible. Who is this guy? And the Melvins. This is terrible. Yeah the this, Melvins
0: aren't good. They're not good.
1: And that was the downside of it. it was like, okay, rise of popular music for the grunge era meant like, well all grunge must be fun. There was a couple real misses there, and there are also reasons why some of the like grunge pioneers yeah. didn't get popular.
0: And grunge is not fun. There's some really good music. The it's last really thing it does is like put a smile on your face. Get you down. Yeah, yeah, it just reminds me of being a really angry, angsty kid, which is what everybody totally. That's why it resonates. Levels with at some yes. point, yes. but yes. there's times as a as a early 30s guy now. I'm like, I don't need to revisit going home furious because the girl I knew for five days broke up with me yeah that way walked around the hallway in junior high once holding hands and
1: your face is on fire because you're <laughs> so self-conscious yeah
0: do you have a uh, can i i'll quickly give my hot take for this week because it's similar and it won't yeah. be that um probably much of a debate sparker i'm going to stick with a similar similar theme of what i did last week my hot take this week is that the kinks are the most underrated band in the history of music
1: Yeah. I I, we talked about this the other day. Yeah. When you look at the songs,
0: everyone knows, like everybody knows you really got me. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that song. Everyone knows all day and all of the night. Everyone knows that song. Everyone knows Lola. They have these songs that everybody knows and they might not and they'll find out like, oh, the kinks, they did that. Those are the same guys that did Lola. And then what you kind of just said, once you go through their catalog, if you celebrate their entire catalog (laughs) like I do, yeah, they're unbelievable, man. And what's so cool about them is in that era. They were so original. like They marched to their own beat. They were so British and embraced their Britishness so much. Listen to Dedicated Follower of Fashion. That is the most hilariously British song. Ray Davies was such a good songwriter. His brother Dave Davies, hilarious name, the guitar player, and also wrote some unbelievable songs. Like Death of a Clown is so good. Strangers, which he sings. His voice is great. It's great songwriting. And they for all these reasons, they weren't able to come over to the States, so they didn't blow up like some other bands, but... They did all of these different kind of like, uh, what's what's it called when you have that um, album that's got like a plot or like a theme? Do you know what I mean?
1: Oh, um...
0: Whatever the hell it's called. You know what I mean? But they do all these different styles of music, and they never kind of did that trendy, psychedelic thing. Um, they're just really original, really under the radar. And uh, do yourself a favor and listen to the Kings, because I, I think they are far and away the most underrated band And I have to say the history of music, because a hot take needs to be worded very strongly. So there you go. That's my hot take.
1: You could be right. They do have a lot of really good songs. The album with
0: Lola. Listen.
1: Okay. They
0: do have a lot of really good
1: songs. Now, your hot take could also be one of those, like, oh, he's just picking
0: an obscure band. They're not obscure, though. To try and sound deep. No, 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 no. There's nothing obscure. Yeah, if I was like, the most underrated band is... Tad. Yes, Tad of all time. No, the, the, I, I'm telling you that the kinks. It is criminal to me that more people.
1: Everybody knows a kinks song, I think, yeah. and if they don't know it because like they're really into it right now, they probably heard it on some classic rock station, yeah. or they probably yeah, like I don't know, driving in the car with mom and dad growing up, or walking by the job site or something. <laughs> yeah, hearing Marty play it. But I think yeah, you yeah, it's. I'd be curious where else you could go on the underrated
0: the Who. I'm serious yeah, about that yeah, one, too. Could, ooh,
1: I feel. I think. I feel like to a certain degree, Fleetwood Mac is underrated. I'd agree. They have a lot of really good songs, and I think just because like Lindsey Buckingham is a gi- gigantic loser. Yeah, he that, does that them definitely, no favors. Yeah, I saw, I w- saw them in concert a while ago, and I was like, I kept looking at Lindsey Buckingham, and I'd be like, God, I hate that guy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know anything really that much about him outside of what you read. Read a couple of things of like how he was just a, such a pretentious dude. Yeah, you're just looking at him singing, and you're just like,
0: God, I don't like this guy. He's, I hear you.
1: And then i saw i did see this is funny if anyone's familiar with fleetwood mac and lindsay buckingham which is a pretty good name it's a great name and you often or times i think if you've ever read without doing the visual or surprised when you see it's a guy
0: oh yeah totally yeah
1: when he was kicked out of the who or not the who when he's kicked out of fleetwood mac and no one in the band told him he just didn't get invited to come to their next road road tour i did not know and he that. didn't even in rolling stone he was like no one told me that he's out of the band <laughs> like, well, you know you're a dick when no one even wants to call you to tell you and they're just like ah, eh, let's just let's just carry, yeah, you. Don't let's just carry on it don't worry about he'll probably that. get the message when there's a sign that says tonight fleetwood mac and you're taking groceries home. that's
0: crazy because he was an integral integral part of the band yeah like in their biggest hits if i i don't want to pretend i know more about them than i do Mm-hmm. But yeah, had to just be like, eh, should we tell Lindsay he's up? No, I not want to worry about it. Nice. It's a dick move. He sucks. But you got to be a dick to get a dick move done to you sometimes. Yeah, I, th- I think so.
1: Well, I think your take's pretty good. I'll, I'm going to have to check the King's album out this week. Then. Do
0: it. Do you have a hot take this week?
1: Um, Kind of. It's a little bit of a... I don't even know if it's a hot take. Lukewarm? It's lukewarm. And maybe I should have offered it up earlier because I haven't even watched it lately. But... Um, my hot take is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood sucks. <laughs> it's such a pretentious, boring movie. And outside of Leonardo DiCaprio being pretty awesome in He's it. He's fantastic. Brad Pitt shows up and it's just like, is everybody cool that I just act like myself yeah. for the next five yeah. and a half hours? And, oh, they say, yeah, cool, man. Eat, yeah. eat food because we know you like to do that. <laughs>
0: yeah, chew all yeah. the time.
1: yeah kind of smirk all the time that like you just are like in on this weird joke that someone told you. Yeah. Look a little
0: confused. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: like kind of look off to the side like there's a guy that told a bit of a funny joke off set. Totally. And you're like, can I laugh at this on camera? Cool. Eat some more food. (laughs) You know, the Ocean's Eleven syndrome where it's like, is there a scene without him eating (laughs) even though he's this incredible, you know, thief that still stays well fed on the six meals a day? um i like quentin tarantino because inglorious bastards is one of my favorite movies and the hateful eight is one of my least favorite movies of all time yeah. and kill bill
0: high risk high reward with yeah that guy. kill
1: bill part two i absolutely hate yeah um, i always thought that movie sucked terrible so it's one of those weird things where it's like i want to really like this movie and there's a couple of scenes with leo where i'm like okay like leo's a He's a great actor pretending to be a mediocre actor, yeah. pretending to be losing it, yeah. and then like all of a sudden having good acting.
0: He's his... it's a
1: real weird layered mix totally. of stuff. And when the stuff, when everything was coming out about it on the media of like this, you know, Quentin Tarantino was like you know the last purveyor of cool, and. <clears throat> You know, like, if you get to be in a Tarantino movie, it's kind of like the same thing of, like, being in, like, a Scorsese or, like, being in a Hitchcock movie. And then you watch it, and I'm like, am I allowed to say that this sucks? I know. It's boring. Yeah. It's just, and at the end, it's just that chick screaming for the entire thing. So, I, I don't know. I struggled. What Did you like it?
0: I man, it was weird, because I enjoyed it when I watched it. And as I came out, I, I, we my wife and I wanted some friends, and all of us were like, why did we like that? Cause it didn't really have a plot, not much happened, um, and and I agree with what you said about Leo. For I think he's the main redeeming quality of it for me. Cause some of his scenes are. So damn good! Like when he's, um, when he when he does that scene as the Dakota Decatur guy or whatever with the little girl and Timothy Oliphant, that's awesome. Great scene. And when he is losing it in his trailer, yeah, and like threatening himself. Great scene. And how he's crying all the time. He's just such a lunatic. I thought he was, he was really cool. The the soundtrack's cool, but at the same time, I, I think I said this to you before, and I'm glad you said Scorsese because I think those are the two directors that. Yeah, maybe I think they're a bit overrated. If I'm being oh, honest, don't, and like, yeah. Because when my you watch that, Hot sorry, Take Part ahead.
1: Two could be that the Irishman blows. Yeah, well, the thing with so both those guys. Boring.
0: Both those guys is they'll make these three-hour movies where if anyone else proposed this thing and wrote this script and like, so it doesn't really have a clear plot. It's a lot of dialogue yeah. that most of it doesn't really go anywhere, and it's kind of the same theme as every other script I've done. People be like, "This sucks," but when yeah. they see it, Scorsese or Tarantino, you're like, "Oh, it's genius." And like how there's, many times a Rolling was,
1: Stone song Exactly How <laughs> many
0: times can an Irish Or an Italian mobster Walk through like a restaurant Where there's dead bodies In the background While he's explaining Everything that's going on Like that's And, and while Give Me Shelter By The Stones is playing Because in every movie Like they say It's like show us Don't tell us So why is it okay When it's Scorsese, he's just like, My name is so and so. This is this guy. The reason he does this is because 10 years ago he was working for this guy. And it, you're like, Just this is bad writing. Yeah. But I because guess, it's yeah. him, everyone's like, It's genius. And same with uh, Tarantino. He has this formula where he'll take something kind of historical, he does it in Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, and this uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then in, um, it's just, like, this really weird three-hour way to get there. And then he takes what actually happened and flips it so it's, like, a more satisfying reversal of reality in the most violent way possible. Like, mm. Hitler getting blown up and Sharon Tate surviving and her killers getting just massacred. And it's, like, cool. But at the same time, it's, like, this is kind of all the guy does. Yeah. It, it's...
1: <sighs> I was really pumped to like Once Upon a Time... Yeah. Really pumped, because yeah. it looked cool. I like Brad Pitt, even though he's easy to make fun of. He's not much of
0: an actor, but yeah. he is likable. Leonardo
1: Di- I, I'm all in on Leonardo DiCaprio. He's good. Outside of that abomination of Gatsby, like, and, and I also do think if you do want a good laugh, if you're willing to laugh through a movie that's not meant to be funny, watch Jay Edgar. Really? Oh, my God. The makeup in that is... Brutal. It looks like they put it on, and then they sat in the sun, and it melted a little bit. And then they started filming. Really? It's really bad makeup, which is funny because it's a Clint Eastwood movie. So you kind of expect it to be a really good yeah. movie about like a really interesting character from American history. And it's like, I can't see past that his face <laughs> looks like someone melted him. How is Clint Eastwood still releasing movies? The guy's coming out with like four a year. You know, I same type of thing. I admire Clint Eastwood because he is like the quintessential, like toughest guy in film ever. Yeah. When he sang in Gran Torino, though, <laughs> just I just worst. about lost it. Like, And it wasn't even like, I'm not sure if I should laugh because I feel like I'm being disrespectful. But you I know. do think I have to get up and leave the room. Yeah, that was this is such bad. a weird
0: choice. And
1: someone told me, it was like, oh, you know what? He sang at the end. And it was a really nice moment. And I was like, that can't be true. Clint Eastwood sang? Well,
0: I thought he was going to be like crooning. Because I heard the same thing. I thought like, oh, maybe he just has this really nice like voice but was oh, no, just he him like, <laughs> just seriously bob, it's like bob dylan yeah. at
1: his worst yeah like during warm-ups before he performed with the <laughs> avid brothers and mumford at the grammys <laughs> at one time and no one could understand what he was singing <laughs> during
0: yeah that was before he got loose and was like yeah I'm ready and then turned
1: come. in a shit performance <laughs> oh he's singing maggie's farm that's awesome <laughs> yeah i don't think anyone knows what he's saying but remember that song yeah, so I don't know, man. That that I guess if that's even a hot take, because I have heard some things. I listened to the rewatchables that Bill Simmons did on it, and him and a couple of his boys just like totally beat off about how cool Once Upon a, Once time. Upon a time is. And I'm like, yeah, I get that. There's these things in there that like, if you want to be a nerd, yeah, and be like, oh, look at the way that the sun reflects off that 63 car, and it's I like, know. yeah, I didn't come to yeah. watch that. And I didn't also come to beat off about the cinematography. <laughs> like this movie sucks yeah. because they're not talking about anything.
0: And I feel like it's too specific for people who have spent an extended time in LA, too, because it's like a total homage to LA and cinema. Cool. And man. there's that yeah, and not like from LA. I've spent some time there with comedy and stuff. And yeah, there's something cool. Like I kind of at first liked the scene because it reminded me of driving through LA when Brad Pitt's driving for like 55 minutes and it's one song after the other mm-hmm. and they're all good songs and the first time i saw it, i was like okay that's cool but then i watched it again i was like man you could have done this in 10 seconds i like
1: the scene where they went to the manson family ranch yeah and if there is one thing that i do enjoy about tarantino's movie is how he movies is how he is able to create and then drag tension out longer yes. and longer and longer until you're kind of like i've felt tense for like 15 minutes. And nothing's really happened.
0: The first scene of Inglorious Bastards on the farm. I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of the pinnacle of that. Yeah,
1: it's it's fantastic. So that part I liked when he punches that hippie. I enjoyed that. Yeah, because he slashed his tires. Like I'm glad that it didn't. He like drove away or was the bigger man. I'm glad he beat his ass. That ugly bastard. Yeah, that dude. Yeah. Can you imagine what the casting call was?
0: For <laughs> Just, f- yeah, if yeah, you're a mutant-looking person. If you own a
1: pair of pants that you use rope to hold up. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're... Look good unbathed. Yeah, if you look really, really kind of, like, hippie-ish when you haven't bathed for a month. And if you're as ugly as someone's ass. Yeah. <laughs> this part's for you. Doesn't, I have wondered doesn't pay about much. that
0: with movies when you do have, like, the person who's the sole point of them being there is being the unattractive person and then yes seeing like their agent being like this is perfect for you buddy and you going to the audition like oh you're just ugly as hell you got it you know what
1: i'm the ugliest guy in this whole (laughs) this part's mine yeah so that that's my i i thought i got way too much hype
0: i actually would i think i'd qualify that as i watched it two times yeah
1: first time i watched it i was like did i miss something here and then I sat down and watched it again, and I was like, shit, man. It's
0: not, not a sizzling take, but considering how much people seem to revere that movie, I think that borders on a hot take. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I, I won't watch it one. again. No, It's just, I, mean, I don't have Who has the three time. and a half yeah. hours
1: to watch this saga about two dudes driving around. <laughs> <laughs> <I know. laughs> Come on, man. All right, so we've decided that Basket cases to be considered. The kinks are dreadfully underrated. Once Upon a Time of Hollywood is potentially a five-pound bag of shit. (laughs) We'll use that as our segue. (laughs) We'll segue into what we talked about last week, where we focused on um, all the unrest and uh, issues in the United States, especially stemming from the George Floyd murder and the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, You went to the protest that we had here locally. Mm -hmm, I sure Um, did. By all accounts, it was peaceful. By all all accounts, it was very well received um, by others in the city. Uh, The police were also very compliant and supportive. Um, So you want to share a little bit of of what that was like and and your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, it was... It was honestly a pretty beautiful experience because I'd never been to a protest or a rally before. And with everything going on, the COVID situation, there there obviously was some nerves for me. Um, But I just felt for me it was too important not to go to. So I went, uh, just went by myself first, ran in because it's Edmonton. You inevitably run into people you know. Ran into some people, uh, and we we stayed very very far away. It was very distant the whole time. When I first got there and kind of turned the corner by the legislature, I didn't know what to expect. It was just packed. I just I was kind of blown away right off right off the bat. And then as we were off on the side by ourselves, distant, it just got more and more and more and more packed. So I actually kind of went to the back. So I was doing it safely the whole time, and it was great that people going around with hand sanitizer and everything like that. Nice. And it was just. Really well done. The speakers were fantastic. Like, I can't tell you how good the speeches really were. Mm. Um, and there there was one point, because it, it was peaceful. The, the only point where there was any kind of issue was when we were doing the moment of silence, or actually eight minutes and 40 seconds of silence, because uh, that's how long George Floyd was getting killed by that disgusting... Derek Chauvin cop dude and that was that was emotional because we all they wanted us all to kneel and raise our fists, which obviously I wasn't going to be the first guy to do that because I didn't know if that's Mm -hmm. my place um but we did it and then some people for whatever reason started chanting no justice no peace which is cool but like it was like shut up this is the whole moment of silencing and then that was fine though they just quieted him down then some dude apparently stood up just wouldn't kneel with everybody and then I guess he was Maybe saying a few things. That's just what I understand against the Black Lives Matter thing, and people started booing and getting a little pissed off and whatnot. But it was really cool, and I actually, I started getting pretty emotional when they did this. I was tearing up pretty hard because the organizer who was on stage with the mic just said, "Like, nope, nope, this is a peaceful protest. This is peaceful." And he said, "We see your hate, and we still love you. We fight hate with love," and that that really hit me because mm. you know, the, the first off, i like, who is this guy? And what are you going to gain from that? That really bothered me because he's clearly not coming to gain any kind of dialogue. Like, If you have someone that disagrees and and you want to open a dialogue about it, I don't get why you're coming from that angle. But it's like, okay, at at least I can understand trying to have some civil discourse. But he knows he's not doing anything beneficial. He's just going to hurt people, not physically, but to upset them. And does he really think when some guy stands up, we're all going to be like, you know what? Yeah. I'm standing up too. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Like, it, it was yeah, it's that's just, pretty it's stupid. pathetic. Is yeah. honestly the best word I can think of for that guy was pathetic, but they dealt with it perfectly. And then the rest of the time was just fantastic. Seeing people from all walks of life um, supporting this in a respectful, peaceful way. I'm really happy I got to experience that. And I think I'm going to remember that forever, honestly.
1: That's a good review.
0: Yeah. Glowing. Apparently, there was some stuff I saw on social media that maybe later on in the night there was some weird stuff going on between the cops and some people, but I don't know all uh-huh. the info, so I don't even wanna give any kind of take on that one. okay. um, but it was it was great. it was it was really great. and and I think Edmonton inherently for being Edmonton primarily gets shit on. And we have the whole still in Edmonton thing, and it's like a punchline in a certain way, a very self deprecating thing to say you either live in Edmonton or stay here. But I was really, really proud to be from Edmonton on Friday when this all happened.
1: I heard that from a few people, that the city uh, and and everyone that attended really represented themselves well. They did. So, yeah, good on you, Edmonton. Um, Probably should make mention that uh, Andrew Parker uh, played a really... Nice role in he this did. and contributed really positively to well, it as well.
0: As a member of the AGP squad, which I didn't know I was a part of until what? he told me. i um, yeah. thrilled. <laughs> no, they, they announced Andrew was going up. He's a guy in the Edmonton basketball community. If you don't know who Andrew Parker is. And they announced our next speaker, introduced him, and he just gave a great speech. It was mm. very optimistic. It was definitely one with a message of love and hope and unity. And the crowd kind of lost their mind. It was really cool to see, and I was actually very proud of Andrew. He was a good good ambassador for the city and the basketball community, and he and I have worked with a lot of the same kids on the north side of the city, and I just thought it was damn near perfect. You know who was actually, they had like a pastor come up and give a speech, and I think people were a little hesitant at first because I just don't know how many devout Christians we there, so it was kind of a groan, and he just lit the place up. It was kind really? of like that southern kind of gospel pastor sure. type thing, and holy hell, I was just doing push-ups listening to that guy. I was fired up, man. That's great. Yeah, it was super cool.
1: Do you remember his name?
0: No idea. Okay. <laughs> I feel <laughs> terrible. <laughs> That's all right. I was too busy getting a workout in listening to him.
1: Too busy maxing out on push-ups. I
0: will say a cool thing about it, too, and... I'll, I'll ask you a stupid question here, but I feel like I gave my review and I can't really yeah. top the glowing things I said. But another thing that was really cool about it for me was it pushed me out of my comfort zone in the sense of that they do chants. So when they say Black Lives Matter, we'd all yell Black Lives Matter and they say no justice, no peace, like repeat that stuff. And I I'm, that's not me, not because I don't believe in it, yeah. in it, but like to actually yell out with people I have that kind of like Seinfeld thing of like, they're going to yell things and I'm just going to yell it too. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, which was kind of making me wonder because so many of the people doing it just look so happy. And like, you know when you're at a show and people start the chance and they join the chance and they look happy and I'm just sitting there on the side like, what a bunch of losers while I'm just miserable. Yeah. Um, do you feel like growing up in the 90s and watching as much Seinfeld as we did? Because I watched Seinfeld as a little, little kid, like religiously till I was at least 22 and took a break do you feel like seinfeld kind of broke you in a way i don't know if it
1: broke is the right word but it definitely like warped you or like traumatized you into yeah thinking that enjoyment is 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 the wrong road to (laughs) take (laughs) like if you're satisfied and, and happy then it's kind of like well You're kind of a loser. You're an idiot. Yeah. Well, that was a great meal. Like, well, wasn't that great? Yeah, it was great. That was such a fun trip. I didn't think it was that great. Yeah. I mean, if if crappy trips are what you think are fun. Exactly. Yeah. No, it it, it, was the cynicism of that era. Oh. It's hard to describe in words for people who weren't in it when they were as impressionable, I think, as we were. Because when Seinfeld was at its peak, I was I was in like kind of like your most formulative years where you're in junior high and high school. Yeah. So like everything was like fun in a strange way to like dump on. Everything. So like to make fun of and I know not everyone was like this because I remember being Mr. Rain on the parade at times and it did get a laugh. And then every once in a while you just see people looking at you and being like God, you're a pain in the ass. (sighs) It's like you're so annoying. And it's like, and as long as you had like one or two other people and being like, no, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh. Like, oh yeah, this is hilarious.
0: That was me through all of my teenage years. Well, I I toned it down in high school, but junior high, Uh I was a nightmare with that because I had to be Johnny, say it like it is. And like you said, formative years, way too impressionable. Like as a child, in like, my earliest memories, there's Seinfeld. And I'd be in, like, grade four saying, like, that's a shame. And stupid stuff like that. So I was so dismissive. And like you you said, just growing up in the 90s where pretty much if you like something or had fun doing something, your friends will just roast you for it. And, uh, I, I yeah, Broke is a little bit strong. But I was thinking about while I was biking over here, and I was like, yeah, Seinfeld is... And, and then when I watched Curb, yeah. and I... I Binged all of Curb. I'm like, this has damaged me a little bit. because uh-huh. I, like, you know me. I'm, I hate saying I'm neurotic because I'm so used to comedians going up on stage. You're like, I gotta tell you, I'm just so neurotic. And like, oh, <laughs> shut up. Show us again. Don't tell us Tarantino. Yeah. So I hate saying I'm neurotic, but a lot of little things really bother me, and I kind of blame Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm for that. If you've ever given the take because I think one of the
1: most annoying takes on Seinfeld ever that I did think was funny and is true is when George brings up the amount of ice that you get in a drink and like what's the point why would you have ice in 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 a fountain drink and then he says like yeah but don't you just think when you don't have ice you just have more yeah. And it's such an annoying take because it's like, yeah, but like the littlest bit. So you're finding annoyance with having ice and soda. Like you want to have, <laughs> yeah. have cold drinks. It's like, yeah, man, but you'll get more soda if you yeah. don't have ice.
0: I am Costanza because yeah. someone specifically referenced that. Don't uh, you find that you, you
1: just get more? We were at a, It's we were, such
0: an annoying take. We were at a pub and we all ordered pints and on the menu it says full pint. And they have all the different shapes of glasses now for every different brewery you get. So I get a pint and it's not a pint. And then the next guy comes over and it's at least like a tenth bigger. So I was just, I wasn't pissed. And I get kind of self-conscious because anytime you guys said it to me a lot as kids, like anytime I got so it's like, okay, (laughs) Costanza. So I'm always worried about this. But I I just like said to the people, I was like, huh, that's weird. Like, what? I'm like, what? I mean, they're clearly not the same size yeah. and i was like can i ask him is that bad if i ask him like you cannot ask him. you look like george costanza and that kind of triggered me because i completely disagree with that yeah can, this might take a minute sure can you think of the most Seinfeldish thing you've maybe ever done or maybe most costanza situation you've ever been in or ever done might take a sec
1: you know what that might be something that we have to come back to next week
0: okay because to do it justice that's true we have to think it through Yeah. I'm writing that down right now because I I have a smorgasbord. Okay.
1: Write that down so that we can go through it. Because I know I've been in situations where i found annoyance in something and then you wind up looking around other people and being like, am I wrong? Yeah. And having everyone kind of embarrassed to be around you. Oh,
0: man. This is exciting. Um,
1: I think I have had moments of like, because the other side of the Costanza character is when you're really feeling yourself and you get brought right back down to earth. When he's backstage at... Jerry's show when he's on Leno <laughs> yes. and he's talking to Corbin Burnson and then George Went of telling them a great case for LA law <laughs> and that they should move cheers out of the bar and it's into a, a bar. yeah, into a community center <laughs> and people do meet at other places besides a bar And then Jerry walks up and says, what have you been doing? And George is so pumped. I just had two real conversations with Corbin Burnson and George went. And then Jerry says, you have toilet paper on your (laughs) shoe." So there's those moments. I know I've had those where, like, I'm feeling great. And then I realize my fly's open or something like that. So, like, (laughs) it's those kind of situations where I know I've had. I'll have to go over the, like. We
0: have a special guest.
1: We just had a little outside run-in. Outside unacceptable inter- yeah outside interference
0: unacceptable
1: so it's segued the george costanza tirade that we we'll get back in, to it but we'll come back to that i think it's uh it's actually a funny one to talk about um in keeping in line with the 90s which is probably going to be a reoccurring topic it has to be on it's, show. it's a gold mine good decade um you watch the owen hart Mm-hmm. Dark Side of the Ring, yeah, that, uh, that came out recently. I haven't seen it yet, but I do remember Owen Hart very clearly. I think so. you'll like
0: it. So, what did you think of it? It was cool. I've 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 kind of gone out of my way to not know a lot about the Owen Hart thing because it bummed me out so much. And I was I, Bret Hart was my favorite wrestler. And yeah, for anyone that that like Stephen I talked about being a kid in the nineties when liking wrestling wasn't like this niche thing. It was just everyone.
1: Everyone liked wrestling. The
0: whole Monday Night Warsing wrestling was huge, and especially as Albertans the Hart families from Calgary and they're kind of wrestling royalty. And I just remember thinking that was the coolest thing in the world. And Bret Hart was my favorite wrestler. So, you know, by association also was in Owen Hart. And I remember the day I had a sleepover with my friend, Chris, and we were just walking around the next day and on the newspapers and like the Edmonton journal stands was on the front page, just thinking about Owen Hart died. And mm-hmm. then hearing that for any of you that aren't familiar, Owen Hart with the WWE, then the WWF, he was doing, he was this character called the blue blazer. And his whole thing was on a cable. He'd, come in from the top of the arena into the middle of the ring and they got this new one which they they lay out in uh the little documentary they got this new kind of cord essentially and it wasn't the best one they could buy they they decided to save some money and he just fell from the top of the arena and died during a pay-per-view and then instead of stopping it, they just kept going.
1: So oh, I I was. At I'm my, saying
0: it more so for like if if anyone's sure, not familiar, because yeah, yeah. I feel like we should give context.
1: I was I watched that pay per view. I was. At, Did you really? I was at my friend
0: Jeff's house. Did you see that
1: when Owen fell? I. They didn't show that.
0: Oh. Something
1: weird happened when you were watching the live feed of the show because his match was up and they were showing the like dramatic prelude to it that they would do, right? Like the hype video yeah. of like what led to this point. And they came back and they wouldn't show the ring. It was just a crowd. It was just shots of the crowd. And it was shots of the crowd. The way I remember it, shots of the crowd from earlier in the show, because they couldn't show people shocked.
0: They say that actually in this Yeah. yeah.
1: And they had the commentators saying, like, there's a situation and we are trying to figure it out. We'll be back in a minute. And then they showed some couple other, like, really spliced, like, really random things yeah. to cover their tracks of what was going on. And then they did an interview. I remember it was with Jeff Jarrett, who, yeah, if Jeff you were familiar with wrestling in the 90s, Maybe. no one ordered a pay per view to watch a Jeff <laughs> Jarrett match. This guy was horrible like slap nuts t-shirts and smashing smashing guitars every single week where it's like golly man
0: one of my favorites is when he went into the back he went outside of the arena and there was his truck and of course the back of it was just filled with guitars Guitars.
1: (laughs) he i'm telling you man (laughs) he had a buzz cut and he wore like a silver unitard to the ring (laughs) and it's like this guy couldn't suck anymore so boring he was so boring
0: so, But he was boys with Owen. I guess that's why well, he did it.
1: Well, the thing is, he he was doing an interview for his match. Because mm-hmm. the way I remember it, I could be off on this, but I do remember this night very clearly. He was about to wrestle The Godfather. Owen was. Owen was. Yeah. And then Jeff Jarrett was the match after. And he was doing his like speech of yeah. how he's going to go out there and kick <laughs> ass and whip somebody and break a guitar. And then he gets really emotional all of a sudden yeah. because he says something about Owen. Yeah. And then the, the big, uh, his manager at the time, manager, it was Deborah, the character that everybody was crazy about, starts crying on camera. Yeah. And then they go out and do their thing. And they continue the show. So as a viewer, you were yeah. like, "Well, it can't be yeah. that serious. Like, they're going on with the show. Like, he must have just, like, fallen and hurt himself or something like that. And then I think later in the show, they said that he's dead.
0: Great memory, yeah.
1: Because that is that no is that actually what that's, happened? That's spot on, honestly.
0: Because okay. everything you just said. Because um, I can't remember if it, I think it was the match coming up with Jeff Jarrett, but they essentially just say he was so close with Owen that they had him say a few words, and he does. And Debra's there, and he does this. So like, I'm praying for you, and he's really struggling. And yeah. Jim Ross, good old JR, he said it was literally just in his ear. They said like uh, pretty much stall for time. We don't know what's going on. Yep. And then later on, they just are sort of like. Yeah, you're going to need to announce that Owen's dead, and oh ten, nine, eight, seven, and they just count him down. Like, did Jim do. Ross
1: interviewed in this? Yeah. Oh man,
0: it's great. And and what what's 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 really great about um, this documentary is, from what I understand, Owen Hart's wife. I'm such a dick. I'm, I'm bad with names. I'm forgetting what her Martha. name is. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, she's completely been out of the spotlight. She hasn't talked about this. She's never really mm-hmm. made all of this stuff accessible yeah. to everyone. So it interviews her and their two children. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to get that kind of like approval from them in a sense because I'm like this isn't some skeezy thing where we're just sure exploiting yeah. a dead dude who from a tragedy. I was about to use the F-bomb, but we've avoided it. so hey. anyways. Um, it, it's it, it's really sad because obviously what happened happened, that's tragic enough. but I, I just learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know about how you know, most of these wrestlers are these lifers that this is all they want to do till they're 80. Like, look at Ric Flair. That guy, You have he's still coming down on, like, the wheelchair yeah. wooing and talking about... One more match. Yeah, <laughs> getting flipped, like, 10 feet in the air, and he's 90. Um, so there's that kind of sad, depressing cliche around wrestlers, but with Owen Hart, it sounded like he didn't like the lifestyle. He was a family dude. He was kind of like this prodigy from the Hart family, the youngest, in a lot of ways, maybe was the best of yeah. them... But he wanted to be a family dude. He just wanted to make enough money and then kind of get away from it all. And he really, I guess, didn't want to go off to do this show. And you just hear how he's just so taken advantage of and not, his life not taken seriously because they're such cheap bastards. They don't really look into this kind of cable that's going to save this dude's life. And, yeah, it was it was wild, man. One, it's a roller coaster.
1: yeah. That's how I remember it. I mean, this was stuff that was burned into my brain because... I'm impressed, we, yeah. yeah. I'm impressing myself here. Shock. Yeah. Just had to happen a few times today. <laughs> um, every month, my friend Jeff and I would get together and we would watch the wrestling pay-per-views. JB. Yep. And back then, you were kind of glutton with it because there would be one WWF pay-per-view and there'd be one WCW pay-per-view mm. a month. And some were good. Some were not. The WCW ones were often pretty crappy outside of like the big NWO angle or something like that. And, you know, or like Hulk Hogan being a terrible wrestler, <laughs> those kind of things. So so, it's it. so bad. So, but the, I remember this, this pay-per-view very, very clearly because it's just chugging along and then this thing happens that no one clearly knows what to say or do yeah and then th- it just continues which in hindsight is like it's incredible that that show went
0: on that they didn't just stop well, it it's uh, it's so stupid cuz yeah. they had to like they were even saying like legally they really should have because when something like that happens a guy falls from the top you you don't want to, but you have to suspect like there may have been foul play here. Like they yeah. needed to investigate and they didn't. the scene, they, did they didn't nothing. do anything. They just went
1: right on with the show.
0: Yeah. And, and that
1: was the weirdest thing about it. And what led to, I think, people not taking it seriously enough was, well, if it was really bad, they would have stopped. Yeah. Now, I remember the same thing in the newspaper the next day. I think there was this weird photo where it was like Owen Hart's arm was like hanging out of the ring, and there was all these people surrounding, and they were just. Calgary's Owen Hart is dead, um, because the way I remember it is that he fell and he hit hit himself on the turnbuckle, yeah. and that was one of the things that did him in. As a viewer remembering this, the Blue Blazer thing was so stupid and so annoying, yeah. where it was like you were biased if you were a wrestling fan to this because it was one of the hard guys. Totally being from your area, you kind of were just like oh, I'm into these guys no matter what.
0: The excellence of execution. Yeah, Bret Hart
1: was my favorite wrestler. Um,
0: Favorite guy
1: I love Bret Hart I wanted Bret Hart's haircut (laughs) When I was little Like the greased up mullet That thought it looked (laughs) great (laughs) But um, When this happened You were kind of like Well this is so stupid Like Why is anyone being dangled From the ring in the first place And better yet Why is anyone being dangled From the ring In a faulty cable That you guys tried to save money on I know it's just the strangest reflection for of, a shitty of what character. a sloppy era yeah. it was for such a throwaway character. I know.
0: Well, that's what they're what they explaining this morning, it totally makes sense. Is in the attitude era? Oa wasn't the most charismatic no, guy, he and, wasn't, he, and, yeah. and he wasn't really like th- they would pitch these storylines to him of him having an affair with Deborah or whatever, yeah. and he would say, which it, it makes it really hard to not even feel more sad about. It. He'd just be like, no, I don't want it out there that I cheat on my wife, even if it's just a storyline. And it's just like, man, I cannot respect that dude. And then the saddest part is when they're talking about when he's falling, someone says they remember him yelling, watch out. So even while he's like falling to his death, he's thinking about other people. So it's just sad that of all the guys that um, WWF has to completely take advantage of and just dehumanize that it it was, it was a dude like that. And it was, it was really, really, really heartbreaking. Um, That sounded like it was a pun and, I did not mean it to be. It was just yeah. a really sad, really sound, but it's a good watch. I think you'd I think you'd you'd like it.
1: I'm going to have to go back and watch it cuz yeah, the the Owen Hart stuff from that era is it is one of those gigantic black eyes whenever anyone starts to get into the realm of, you know, what professional wrestling is all about. Yeah. That if you tell this story what led up to it, what happened, and then how it was handled. It was like, there's no real way you can get around it without being like, you know. Oh, just the trashiest. Yeah, it's so trashy. Like, this era was so trashy. Of trying to push the envelope, and then one of the guys dies because the envelope was pushed too far with something so stupid.
0: And you don't do anything about it. And then
1: you just were like, well, if we cancel the paper, we're probably going to have to get refunds, and that's exactly.
0: Vince McMahon sucks. It it was good hearing how his wife and the kids just kind of, Stuck it to the WWE and didn't want him enshrined in any kind of Hall of Fame. They don't want to pretend there's some sort of appreciation yeah. they had for him when they didn't value his life. So it's kind of cool hearing their perspective on that, how they started his foundation and stuff. Um, be-
1: you Hold on. No, hold on one second. Okay. We'll segue into this. And this might be a thing for uh, another show. There'll another be a lot show. of wrestling shows, I hope. Well, and this is important, best wrestling faction that gets totally underrated is the Hard Foundation. Yes. Oh, Bre- no. Bret Hart, British Bulldog, Jim the Animal Nightheart, Owen Hart, and Brian Pillman. Brian Pillman was good. He was good, but he was Another injured the entire one. time, and <laughs> he didn't get to do anything. And He was just, had that crazy smile. He just looked nuts, and he sounded like he smokes six <laughs> packs a day, so you never really get an idea what this guy's talking about, but he looks the part.
0: I loved when they were heels. And... They were the
1: best, and we went to a show in Edmonton, and yes. their Stone Cold feud was like <sighs> red hot, and... They wanted the Canadian National Anthem played. This is one of the last times Raw was good and came to Edmonton. And they all stood for the National Anthem and Stone Cold ran into the ring and hit Bret Hart with a chair and then ran out. That place went berserk.
0: Oh, God, man. That was that was one of those experiences you go to and you just don't forget. Because I was little. I remember everything about that night. I remember the fast food. I remember getting a grilled chicken sandwich that had honey mustard on it. I honestly remember it that specifically because that nice. meant, might meant so much to me because I didn't understand how WWF recordings worked. I thought it was just you get the show like it happens, but you actually, they'll be filming like Saturday shotgun or Shotgun
1: Saturday night, And
0: yeah. But Bret Hart came out three times, mm-hmm. and I was losing my shit Mm. and that was just edmonton is such a i don't even mean politically like conservative like in our emotions i've been to events like when paul mccartney was in town and he's trying to get the crowd into and it's cool but they're still a little like oh i better not cheer too loud there bud and (laughs) i remember being in at wwf and that just being thrown out the window (laughs) This I remember 20, saying yeah. to like this twenty-seven-year-old guy how I think Salvatore Sincere sucks, and he was pissed at me. Like we were just fired up to be there. It was great. Underrated. Salvatore Sincere. Yeah, He was terrible. But
1: that show because we went by ourselves, which was one of yes. like the first the first things that because we were still uh, this was like nineteen ninety seven. It's insane. This was the height of the Stone Cold Brett feud, oh. and when we got there, they played like all the entrance musics of the music of the guys. Who that you were going to see on the show while the stands filled in but if anyone goes back like youtube that raw where stone cold runs in and hits bret hart with a chair during the canadian national anthem oh. and escapes <laughs> somehow that place was on fire and it was great it, it was is. so good and that was when they were bad guys in the states good guys in canada
0: great which was faction.
1: such a Cool angle to take at a time when it was like, Man, this makes it so interesting being Canadian.
0: You're gonna appreciate this. I saw in New York when my wife and I went to wrestling, I saw the Hart Foundation get inducted to the Hall of Fame.
1: Who was there for that?
0: It was Brett and um Jin the Anvil's daughter, who's Natalie, who's a wrestler as well.
1: It was because it was the Anvil dead, yeah, he just passed oh, away. Man, it's a bummer, and British Bulldogs, obviously, dead, yeah, it was and only Brett. And, uh, Good lord, I know Pillman's and dead. <laughs>
0: Brett's the last, Jeez, so it was just man- Brett. Oh,
1: was that when the guy attacked him?
0: Yeah, well, so, okay, so we didn't actually go to that. We, we decided, because we went to NXT on Friday, Saturday was Hall of Fame, and then was WrestleMania, and then Monday and Tuesday was Ron Smackdown. We're in New York, and like, okay, well, I don't know if we can... That's re- like an OD on... Yeah, oh, and, and and honestly, rest- WrestleMania, even though I had a great time, it's what did it on me, and I don't watch wrestling anymore, mm-hmm. because I was so pissed off by the <sighs> way they just jipped us on Ron Smackdown, so I'm done. Um, But I I did see when he got inducted at WrestleMania, they bring everyone out and they're all wearing their, like, tuxes. And then, of course, because he's the biggest narcissist in the world, Triple H, DX got inducted. So they bring everyone out. Then all of a sudden the lights go, let's break it down. They're coming out telling everyone to suck it. They're all 68. Gray hair, wigs. (laughs) uh, Shawn Michaels just has a straight skullet (laughs) until he got rid of it. Um, Which is funny because you were talking about Hulk. Sexy boy. It's crazy that Hulk, Hulk Hogan, he was just this guy, this freak, screaming about eating your vegetables or your vitamins or vitamins. whatever. And Take he has price. a skullet. And that was like a real thing that fathers would be like showing their son like, it's kind of man you need to be. What do you think the equivalent to that would be now? The Rock? Probably The Rock. I'd say it's The Rock. I think one of the best
1: like, missed quotes from... Hulk Hogan on what it actually meant was when he used to say six foot seven, two inches from heaven. <laughs> he said that. The kids are just like, yeah. kids are like, for sure, I want to be six, seven. Um, That's disgusting. And there's no way Hulk Hogan's six, seven. No. There's no way. The guy's probably like six, five. And weighs 320 pounds. And his skulllet, like And the funny thing about Hogan was he had a skulllet for thirty years the whole time. Thirty
0: years. How, since when have guys with skulllets been like a cool thing? That's what I mean. Like The Rock, he's he's a wrestler. he's but he doesn't have a skulllet. He
1: had a hardcore skulllet too.
0: Well, he wore the bandana because he was clearly self-conscious about this going like, Oh, here's some badass kind of biker looking guy, And he takes it off and you're like, What the hell is this? And it was just his look though. I mean I can't I think I think that's Can't be stated enough that it should honestly be like Hulk Hogan did what he did in spite of having a skull. In spite
1: of a skull. That's
0: pretty wild.
1: Yeah, I'd say. I mean, but some of these other guys, like the Ultimate Warrior looks like (laughs) he looks like he had like two different heads of hair on his head. Like it's like growing in these weird directions. What did
0: he do other than sprint and scream?
1: I defy anyone who (laughs) from that era thinks the Ultimate Warrior is fun to watch an Ultimate Warrior match. He's so bad. <laughs> he looks like he's never done anything before. Like, not just even wrestled. He looks like he's never, like, been let out of a room. He sprints to the ring. Then he gets hit, <laughs> and he doesn't get hurt. And then he just runs around, and he hits you again. And then the match is over, and then he runs it in the back. This <laughs> guy's a All he freaking train wreck. sprint and <laughs> yeah. loses shit on you know, the interviews. You take a good hit a meth before you go to, the, <laughs> go to the ring. You'll sprint all over the place. Um, yeah, it's... No, it, I, I think the, the hard stuff, yeah, I, I, I think completely underrated faction because it didn't last that long. No. Um, but in, in the era of factions, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally biased to that. I thought the DX thing was entertaining, but I didn't really like it.
0: Even back then, before calling Stupid. something broy was really a thing, it was that. I was
1: heavy broed.
0: But at the same time, when you're in elementary school and, you, and you're going around telling everybody to suck it, you're kind of a fan to some degree. I was
1: an NWO fan, not a DX fan.
0: Oh, man. I, I, told I, I ate everybody NWO. to suck it.
1: No, I, I, was, NW, I was an NWO fan. <laughs> I, I liked that. I bought an NWO shirt at Target. Yeah. Cut the sleeves off. Thought I was, oh, yeah. I thought I was running the show.
0: Yeah, I remember getting an NWO shirt. I, NWO was definitely cooler. That was, what a great, we have to do a whole wrestling. Yeah. So we have, we have to do, next week we'll do the uh, focus on George Costanza, and we I think we have an idea how to make that fun, and then we'll definitely have to dive more into the wrestling at some point. Because I think the 90s wrestlers and the wrestlers we grew up, that's a gold mine.
1: I agree. It's It's the most enjoyed wrestling era. Yeah. It's definitely the most entertaining. Yeah. I don't think if you went back and watched a show, you'd realize how much crap was actually on it. Oh, when everyone's man. like, every match was great. Every personality was huge. Yeah. But I do, I do think back then the competitiveness, like with anything else, made guys better than what they would have totally. been. Had it been a complacent time. Totally. So, yeah, we'll have to do that because same type of thing is like when we talked about with Jordan and the Bulls. Is when you're living through it, you just have this feeling of like, I, I think God, people are going to talk about this for totally. a long time. Yeah. Really going to look back on it and be like, "That was the good old days," or remember when this happened, and yeah. you're experiencing it in the moment. Totally, really hype. It was a big enjoy-
0: cultural thing. Yeah, it was, man. We'll dive into it. Sounds good. This is fun. Yeah, as always. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.